you start to question your value. You start to question your self-worth. Like the more money you got, the more successful you are, and most people really do buy into that. But really, I just needed a break. What I love is helping people. I'm Julie Bauke, and welcome to The Evolved Career, a podcast where we help you determine what truly does matter most to you and how it can have a profound impact on your life. Today, our guest is Elizabeth Andrew, and we're going to learn all about Elizabeth. But where I really want to start with her and what I think is so interesting about her story is that, you know, that headline on LinkedIn where you get to say stuff about yourself, you know, here's who I am. One of the things that she calls herself is a career reentry advocate. And as you might imagine, that is quite intriguing to me. And in our pre-call, I learned a bunch about what Elizabeth has learned about when we leave the workforce and we try to come back in. She also has a TED Talk that I'm going to have her mention as well, so you can go check that out. She is a technology sales leader, and we'll get to that also. But I want to start with Elizabeth. First of all, welcome. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. You have such a great story. And so tell me, how did you become interested in this whole field of reentering the workforce? Sure. Um, so I actually um, had a very good career early on in, in, my, um, in my lifetime. Um, I ended up taking 17 years off as a stay-at-home mom. Um, in 2011, I had moved back to my home um, area, which is the San Francisco Bay Area, and decided to relaunch a career. I was able to launch a career in technology with no tech background after a 17-year career gap at almost age 50. Wow. And <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have a career in technology sales, and that's really what I do. But uh, on the side, I have an awful lot of people that reach out to me every day asking, how did you manage to get back? And so it's been something that I do outside of work um, as a volunteer to uh, really help bring awareness to a lot of the issues and, and challenges that people face when they want to return to the workforce. So is that mostly women then you work with? Interestingly, I get a lot of men reaching out to me as well. There are a lot of women that have taken time off to raise their families, um, but I do get, you know, I get people who've taken time off for a number of different reasons, and, um, you know, some of sometimes it's one year, sometimes it's 20 years, um, and I do get a, quite a bit of men that have been reaching out Interesting. Um, as well. You know, so, so you know, your story, I want to point out a lot of these little factors that, that really, in a lot of ways, you would think work, work against you. 50, technology, woman, out of the workforce for 17 years. Right. Wow. And you overcame all of those. So what, you know, when you look at, when you look at that moment in time when you said, you know, I, I need to get back to work. I'm going to do something different. You were in financial services before, correct? Correct. So you said technology is where it's at. I'm going to go, I'm going to go tackle that sucker. You've had a very successful career, no matter what you've done. And so did you look at it as, I'm sure a lot of people said, are you crazy? Um, was it harder than you thought it was going to be? Or, or, you know, how did, how did that go for you? Absolutely. That was the hardest sale I've ever made in my entire life. <laughs> um, and it did not happen every overnight. It took a number of baby steps. I'm, in my very first job back, um, 
and I can give you a little bit of my background, but I, I started out in the investment industry. I'm, as I mentioned, from the San Francisco Bay Area. I was relocated to the East Coast in my early career as an institutional uh, mutual fund wholesaler in the Northeast. I ended up, had a great, great uh, trajectory there, but I ended up getting married to a New Yorker and moving down to the New York area and um, taking time off to raise my kids for those 17 years. I then, um, you know, moved back to the San Francisco Bay Area in 2011 and decided it was time to get back to work. It took a lot of steps to get back. I was really, Julie, candidly, completely unemployable. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get anybody to return my my phone calls. I couldn't get, you, you know, you submit applications. In this day and age, so much of the hiring is done um through really through algorithms and you apply into these black holes online mm-hmm. and they're not set up to optimize for people who have been out of the workforce. Yeah, right. How long did it take you from when you said, you know, I want to get in, I want to get into technology? How long did it take? What was that time frame you operated in? So when I first got back, I had done a number of sort of consulting and contract jobs, really in anything that I could find. I finally found my very first job uh, working for Putnam Investments for the West Region Director of Sales. I actually found that job on Craigslist, which baffles, particularly recruiters, uh, you know, that it it baffles their mind. But, um, you know, it was a very much of a sales enablement entry level role, but it was a perfect opportunity for me to get back into uh, the city into San Francisco and engaged in really what I had done before. It was for a distribution mutual fund company. And I did that for about a year. It was a, a wonderful entree, but I just realized that financial services has changed so much over the last 17 years. I would have had to resit for all of my licenses. Yeah. And I just felt that it wasn't as exciting as it was when I got out of college and was launching my very first act. And um, here I am in San Francisco Bay Area with so much going on in technology and very exciting things happening. And I decided as long as I'm completely reinventing myself, why not try tech? Yeah, why not? What the heck? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure you had more than one door slammed in your face. A million, yeah. a million. And it takes a lot of resilience and a lot of, you just cannot take it personally and you have to just move on to the next opportunity because ultimately in any role, it has to be a fit. And I definitely felt uh, it was very, very interesting because when I moved to the East Coast as a mutual fund wholesaler, I was working out of my house in my car. It was 100% outbound sales, calling on Merrill Lynch, Smith Barney, all the major investment companies um, on stockbrokers primarily, um, also some enterprise organizations, but it was 99.9% white men that looked like my dad, particularly in the Northeast mm-hmm. at that time. And so then flash forward 20 years later, I'm, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area and there are a lot of women and there, it is a very diverse industry in technology, um, even though a lot of, there's a lot of data behind, you know, the lack of diversity and leadership and that sort of thing. But, but it is much more of a diverse community than 
the investment industry was many years ago. But I literally went from being the only woman in the room to the oldest person in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that's a uh, that's a shift, isn't it? Paradigm shift. It is, and I, you know, there were certainly there were some interviews that I got and went in there and the oldest person in the company was 30 years old. And I knew out of the gate that it wasn't going to be a fit for me. So how did the market, and I'll just say that the collective, people who looked at your background or you networked with, or they were being polite and having coffee with you, how did the collective look at your 17 years experience as a mom? It's interesting because there is data, and I and I believe I shared this with you when we spoke previously. But there is data that's put out from Lean In, which actually they get all of their research done through um, Stanford. That states if you have two candidates that are equally qualified, and one of them has PTA coordinator on their resume, they're seventy nine percent less likely to be recommended for hire mm. than. The candidate who is is equally qualified, and I found that to be absolutely true. Why do you think that is? What is what's your best guess on why that is? I I don't think that professional and corporate people recognize the value of work outside of a corporate lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I did a tremendous amount of nonprofit work in the 17 years that I was home. Um, many of the roles that I had in the in those years were equally as challenging as anything I've ever done professionally. I ran events for thousands of people. I raised money. I did fundraising and all different kinds of uh, volunteer events in those years. And actually, many of those things were more challenging because you're working with volunteers. They can't <laughs> yeah. be fired. Right. They may or may not do their job. And some of the committees that I worked on, there were a lot of people that were working on it. So it was managing people. And it's um, even to this day, a lot of people don't recognize that work, even people that I've worked with. So do you, would you go so far, if you had, let's say, someone that you were meeting for coffee and she was struggling with the same things you did and she was telling you about all the great things she did in the community while she was home those years as a mom, do you go so far as to say, don't even put that on your resume? So I don't tell people what to do. I just try to share my experience. And for me, it wasn't until I took all of that off of my resume wow. that I had anybody taking me seriously. Wow. That to me, when you told me that when we talked last week, I still can't get that out of my mind. I, I th- there's yeah. it's just what a shame. So they so you would have been more attractive as a candidate with nothing for the last 17 years than to really talk about what you did because those things are so discounted in the minds of of most people. Correct. And that there's data behind it. Yeah. That 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 Ugh. talks about that. And, you know, it's, I remember, so first of all, I have many friends who are in the recruitment industry and, uh, you know, but from my experience relaunching, that's a very, very difficult track to go down for people reentering because 
they're in sales, right? And they want to take a square peg and put it in a square hole and somebody who's doing the job. And so that they have a hard time selling the career break. So I pretty much did not work with any recruiters nope, at all nope. as I was relaunching. I did, however, reach out through a friend of a friend to one recruiter. This was one of the most humbling <laughs> situations that I was in. Um, I met this recruiter for coffee uh, sort of out in the Danville area. I remember sitting down for coffee. It was so, he was doing me a favor. It was so nice of him just to sit down and talk to me and give me some advice. And yet we were in this conversation and he does, or his company does some recruiting for Google. And I was asking about whether there are any opportunities there. And he literally laughed out loud. At oh, me. <laughs> you said, okay, I'll take that as yeah. a no. <laughs> Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so the internship, that uh, movie. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Was it Robert De Niro or something? Was the the fifty or sixty year old intern? I think somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you got traction, and then you've been able to parlay that into a successful career in technology. Yes. What were the when you look back? What were those? Those key moments or those 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 moments that you say, okay, that was a turning point. Those were the pivot points in my journey to reinvent myself. So I, first of all, I I try to get very resourceful, and you know, as I mentioned, I found my first role back to work through Craigslist. I've gone through a lot of platforms, angel list, and things that are maybe not as big as an Indeed or a Monster. And um, my very first role, and it was interesting because in technology, I had done, in my lifetime, I had done inside sales, external sales, sales training and development, sales management. I, of course, in the nonprofit, I did a lot of event planning and, and leading teams. I found my very first job in sales operations, which was really not my wheelhouse. And I know they, they hired me really because of my sales enablement abilities, but it was a great entry for me because I had to self-teach myself all of the tools, all of the technology, Salesforce, the mm -hmm. stack of, um, you know, of, of technology tools that you need to do your job today. And, and, when you're re-entering, a lot of the little things like calendar invites are challenging <laughs> when you haven't been in Zoom meetings and, yeah. and things like that, you know, so you have to get up to speed on that. And that's something I really try to coach people with. You know, I did a lot of, I tried to sign up for Excel refresher courses and, you know, I tried to take a lot of classes online so that I could, um, you know, get my myself. The biggest reason people do not want to hire career reentry candidates is they feel like they're out of date. Yes. And they're out of touch with the tools that it takes to do the job. But my argument is that you can teach those tools in 12 months or less. You can't teach 20 years of leadership experience right. in 12 months or less. Right. So were there so moments I, that you say, okay, I've got this, you know, what, what was your first job in technology, true technology beyond the sales operations where you really were, um, where you really were carrying your own bag? I mean, what, what was your, what was your first role? Sure. So the sales operations role that I got was, was great. It was a very smart team. It was in the healthcare technology space. I was the only person that didn't come from healthcare. 
Um, unfortunately, as happens with many startups, the company ran out of funding after I was there for about a year. And so I found myself back in a job search. The company went bankrupt. And so I was looking. Um, I actually found an opportunity. I went on an interview through AngelList. So it was completely cold. And I found a company called, by the name of Hello Sign. The VP of sales at the time, he really took a chance on me. I was looking to get into a sales role, an independent contributor role, but I had not sold anything in 20 years. I had never sold SaaS. And he recognized the breadth of experience. I think he also is a parent, you know, so he can see that, you know, it's good to have people that can wear a lot of hats. And, yep. and he could see the success that I had early on in my career. And so he hired me onto a team of, um, it was a small and mighty team, mostly, as we say, stereotypical SaaS sales dudes. Um, they're all great guys and, and good friends of mine. And I was one of the top producers from getting there month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year. I was able to um, close the only seven figure deals that we had at the company. Um, and one of the things that I really loved when I joined the company, we were about 40 or 45 people. And uh, I'm again, it's a startup. It's early stage. We did have a fair amount of revenue, but Brian recognized the fact that the VP of sales recognized the fact that I am good at wearing a lot of hats. So it was so fun to be able to work on a lot of projects cross-functionally in addition to selling, I was able to work with the product team and the marketing team and help train other salespeople and, you know, entry-level sales development representatives. So it was exciting for me. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was also a very, very technical sale. And this gives you um, an indication of how career reentry candidates can learn quickly. We were selling a an e-signature API. So 50% of our customer base was technical, developers and engineers mm -hmm. and CTOs, where the other half came from the business side. When Brian hired me into HelloSign, I didn't know what an API was. And so I was able to really spend a lot of time with uh, the other salespeople that were there training and our support engineer, our API support engineering team, so that I was able to really pick up enough to be dangerous with the, uh, with the technology component of the product. And then once you have some sort of track record of success, every time someone hires you from there on out, it's less risky to them because you've got, you know, you, you've got that track record. It's just that big chasm of 17 years that, like, did she change? You know, is she still going to be able to be as successful? Is she as hungry as she was when she was younger? And so getting to the other side of that chasm, you really just need one person to give you a chance. And then you have to you have to grab on with both hands and really outwork everybody around you because it's almost like the expectations lower. Did you feel that at all? That's right. It's still not as easy. It's much easier than coming in after 17 years off. But it's still not easy because people still do not recognize the fact that I have 10, 15 years of professional experience. They still see it as 
three, four, five, you know, the t- I was at Hellas Line for over four, four and a half, about four, four and a half years and uh, another tech company before that. And, um, you know, they still don't recognize the breadth of experience that mm-hmm. I have leading teams and, and managing organizations and that sort of thing. But it definitely is much easier. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I, sometimes I'll have, um, People reach out to me. It might be a parent who says, my son or daughter just got out of jail and um, they have a felony on their record and, you know, they have to fill out these forms and, you know, how are they ever going to get traction? And I would tell them the same thing that I'm sure you tell people. You, It's, you, it's not going to be through a recruiter. It's not going to be through a job board where there's some sort of, you know, you have to pass some screening software. It's going to be through somebody who meets you, who already knows you and believes good things about you and is going to give you that lifeline for you to grab onto. And once you grab onto that lifeline and you start to get some traction and build some history, it gets easier and easier. So it's it's the same, you know, I think that in our lifetime and probably for a long time after that, people hire people. They don't hire attachments, you know, word attachments. They don't hire, you know, just people who pass the screening. They want to hire real human beings who they see promise in. And it's just you, it's almost like when you're in that trying to re-enter, you're using your background and your track record of success as part of your story. But then you really have to connect with somebody who sees something in you that they, they maybe someone gave them a chance and so they want to give somebody else a chance or they you know like you said they he re- he recognized the value of having somebody who's a mom because he knows what a hard job that is so it just takes one person to give you that and that's so it's you know, two-thirds or more of people find their jobs through people they know or people they meet and I would imagine for someone like you or a career re-entry person regardless of the reason, that you've been out of the workforce, whether it's health-related or you were in jail or, you know, uh, you had to take care of a parent or whatever it is, it's really that that hook really is that human who looks at you and says, I want to give this person a chance. Correct. In many ways. Although I will say it's really interesting. You know, I this is might sound a, a little bit morbid, but I have a friend who had lost a brother many, many years ago. And when my father passed, we were talking about the funeral and, you know, it's always surprising who shows up and who doesn't equally. And I found that very much in my personal network. There were some people that, you know, I really thought might've been able to help me out. And I was disappointed, you know, not to have the support from people that I had hoped that might be able to might be in a position where they could have made some introductions for me and didn't. Um, and then it was surprising to me who did step up. Yeah. I really, most of my career trajectory in this second chapter has been cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have one friend of mine from the East Coast who is an investment banker and her company's headquarters were based here in the Bay Area. And she knew I was looking and they had, this was before I really found a full-time job. It was that sort of contract consulting role. And they had somebody, and it was really an assistant role, which is, I'm not a good assistant, but um, I was willing, you know, to do anything. And um, she had somebody that was leaving on maternity leave. 
And she said, would you be willing to fill in? I said, absolutely. And so I did. And that went well enough that they invited me to or asked me to continue on trying to help them recruit for a specific role that they were looking to hire for. And so that really helped me get on my feet. But most of my other roles were, and I actually did have another consulting role that came through somebody I know as well that was really great. Um, but most of the roles I found through AngelList or Craigslist or from really going out there and, and building from the ground up. I do, however, talk quite a bit about the importance of networking and particularly here in the San Francisco Bay Area, but really in any city or any location, there are so many resources out there. And this is what I try to share with people. There are meetups. There are women leadership programs. There are, you know, chamber of commerce organizations and so many different ways to meet people. And when I knew I wanted to get into technology, I'm very much of a student of my own profession. And I started following a lot of thought leaders and uh, taking, you know, newsletters that were coming from different resources. And I saw an organization by the name of TechCrunch was hosting a meetup in the Presidio in San Francisco. And I signed up, I think it was $20. And I went completely by myself. Didn't know a single soul. I had a girlfriend I was going to try to bring with me, but she had to cancel. And I went there were a lot of people sitting around in groups with their company and, and colleagues and I wandered around and I was actually in line for a food truck and I met a gentleman who had just relocated to the Bay Area from India. He's a CEO of an early stage startup. We struck up a conversation and we're still in our network. I ended up selling our HelloSign product to him several years after that. And um, you just never know, right. as you mentioned, yeah. how you're going to make a connection. Yeah. So so one of the things you said, you said, you know, you had people who could have helped you and didn't and people who you were surprised. It is that is one of the absolute truths of job search. And we tell our clients this. We say, OK, we talk about making your A, B and C list of your contacts. And I said, guaranteed, some of your A's will disappoint you and some of your C's will delight you. And it's right. just, you know, it's nothing personal, but it um, it's just one of those things that happens to almost everybody. And it's just, you just have to say, you know, we find that the best networking contacts are your second level. So the, uh, a contact of one of my, uh, one of my, one of my A contacts introduces me to one of theirs. It's sometimes that it's that next rung out of people that, that can tend to be more helpful. Um, so, and, and I, something else you did that I think is really, really important is you said yes to a temporary assignment. And there are so many among us who'd be like, well, why would I do that? Like, no, no, no. You've got to get, a, you've got to put yourself in a position to strut your stuff a little bit, to show what you can do. Right. And it might be temporary. It might be contracted. That's what I tell, you know, kids graduating from college right now who are saying, my gosh, there's no jobs. Well, do whatever, get in a lifeboat, do whatever you need to do, because you don't know, like you said, you met that guy in line at the food truck. Maybe you're working at Starbucks and you struck up, you strike up a conversation with a friendly customer who happens to be in, in a position to hire. So you're, you know, they're, opportunities are not going to come knock on your parents' door while you're on the couch in the basement. You know, you've got to be out right. among people. And when you're not feeling good about yourself, I mean, it, it, 
it, it, looking back on it, it took you know it took a lot for you, even as an extra a confident extrovert. It took a lot for you to go to go to that event by yourself and feel like you know you're the friendless among uh, people who, you know, people who know each other, and you're just kind of wandering around. And um, that had to take a lot. Of, that, had to, that had to take a lot of courage. Well, and half of them are, are my kids' age. <laughs> um, but yes, and you know that's something that I really try to talk to people. I think that's one of the big mistakes that people re-entering the workforce run into. When I was doing volunteer work, it was I was living up in the Connecticut area outside of New York. So we were a suburb of New York. Most of the women that I was working with came out of really big careers in New York mm-hmm. before getting married and having kids. A lot of these women could plan the Battle of Normandy. They were very, very talented, professional women. And... So, you know, one of the things that I run into oftentimes when I'm talking at something with career reentry candidates is people will say to me, and I've had this happen, where a woman said to me, I have an MBA from uh, University of Chicago, uh, Booth, and I was vice president of XYZ company, and so I'm not going to take less than a director level role. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a mistake. Yes. In fact, you know, I had, so I literally had taken a job as an assistant, which is, again, it's not my wheelhouse, but I, I took that job. Well, within a matter of years, I had risen to the top and she was still looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, you know, it's just like you said, I think it's really important for any and and college kids as well. And this is a really, really challenging time to be launching a brand new career with everything going on in the world. But it is. It's very important. In fact, another friend of mine that uh, actually it was a a friend of mine that was looking for work. I said, why don't you look at TaskRabbit? Because we used to have TaskRabbit. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with TaskRabbit. It's a app where um, you know, it's one of these gig economy mm-hmm. apps where people can come and do all different types of projects. And in the tech company that I was working for at Hello Sign, we would, our HR team uh, or people team was all was bringing in task rabbits, maybe to help us assemble furniture or fold t-shirts or whatever little projects that needed to be done around the office. But it was great because then they meet everybody in the company. And, you know, there were several of them that we became, you know, they would come on a regular basis and and we became really friendly with and felt like part of the team and that can lead to a job. Yes, absolutely. Being out among people, putting a smile on your face and being genuinely interested in those around you really attracts, it, it attracts good to you. So what are you doing now? How do you spend your time now? Huh. Um, interestingly, uh, you will laugh, but I'm actually right now I'm, I'm looking for a job. Okay. Um, I had, so I had a great trajectory, a great run with HelloSign. I had been a top producing senior account executive there for a few years. And then I moved into a leadership role. I was managing, I was a senior manager over our emerging business and mid-market business account executive teams. And in February of 2019, we were acquired by Dropbox for $230 million. So it was a really exciting um, run in a startup starting, you know, at a very 
early stage and, and going all the way through the acquisition. I stayed for a year after the acquisition. And at one point, there was a lot of transition. This was last year, 2019. Throughout the year, we had three office moves. And, you know, when you go through an acquisition, certain people within the company start to peel off. And um, the VP of sales left at one point last year. And so I was kind of wearing a lot of hats again and reporting to the HelloSign COO with Balk, who came over from Box, and I did that until the fall, and then we started reporting up through Dropbox, and, and the person I was reporting to there was amazing as well. I just felt towards the end that, again, it comes down to that I'm a mom. I'm good at wearing a lot of hats. I've In every role I've been in, even in my early career, I've built from the ground up. I love growing, high growth, scaling. When I moved to the East Coast as a mutual fund wholesaler, it was our very first presence in the Northeast in a very crowded investment um, community. And so I took that region from zero to 70 million. And so when you move into, Dropbox was an incredible company. I think if it had been my first job, I never would have worked anywhere else, but it's a publicly traded company. And you start to get really siloed in your teams, and I really miss the cross-functional. Um, outside of my job, in addition to doing a fair amount of speaking and um, supporting people and advising people on career reentry, I also have done some advising of early-stage startups on go-to-market and uh, growth strategies. And so I started advising a company last October, and so I it was four people when I started advising them. I really felt they were very, very early stage seed funded, but I fell in love with the technology and the company. And so I joined in mid January um, of this year of 2020. And of course, at that time, who knew the world was falling apart? Right. So, yeah. um, you know, now I'm a single mom with, with three college tuitions and looking to get on higher ground. Well, and, and I good. have no doubt you will do it. In what situations do you feel like you're the best version of yourself? I, you know, you're talking about professional. Or yeah. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, I think it's been really an interesting, I really love tech because it's just evolving. It's the wild, wild west. It's actually the way the investment industry was when I was launching. It was much more interesting and exciting and changing. And um, we were part of Wells Fargo's very first mutual fund company, the Overland Express Funds, and really built that from zero to a billion dollars as a team. And one of the things that has been so much fun about technology is just the diversity here in the Bay Area. I have three college-age kids, and I have colleagues that are not too much older than they are. And... <laughs> You know, I treat them with respect. I love working with, um, it's interesting because a lot of my friends and peers will say, oh, these kids are always on their phones and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I, I, I think they're brilliant. I think they, you know, I, I think there's a lot of talent there. And I think that that's another thing that I really try to talk to people about who are reentering the workforce, particularly after a long period of time that are, you know, my my generation is um, Gen X and I, you know, I try to say it's, it's the millennials and, and Gen Z that are, they have the jobs now. Right. We need to adapt to them, right. you yes. know, rather than this mentality of, 
you know, they need to put down their phones and learn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, every day the pendulum swings more in their direction. Yes, and I love working with them. And yeah. I, but it's also, you know, and this is one of the things where I knew HelloSign was a good fit because, um, again, the CEO went back with a, uh, you know, my age, and you know, we had everything in between. We had, you know, people of all diversity of everything, which was wonderful. And um, you know, we'd celebrate Diwali, and we'd, you know, we'd have all different kinds of um, celebrations, and it was a, you know, ultimately as a as a leader, you want the best person for the job. And, you know, that's, that's really how um, we looked at it. I think there is a sense of with a particularly a sales team and, and having a lot of younger generations, I, I did have a little bit of a mother hen. <laughs> we can't help it. <laughs> component. Yeah. 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 I love that. So your TED, your TED talk, where can we find your TED talk? What's it called? How can we, how can we search for it and find it? Sure. It's called Let Them Back In. Let Them Back In. Love it. Let Them Back In. And I will say um, it was really interesting to do. I've done a lot of speaking and that sort of thing. Generally, people have six months to plan for a TED Talk. I'm not sure exactly what happened if somebody was asked to leave because they weren't prepared or somebody backed out, but I got a phone call a month before the TED Talk and said, would you like to do this? And it was uh, it was right after the acquisition, actually, of uh, HelloSign by Dropbox, and definitely not the best time, but I didn't want to say no to right, that opportunity. Exactly. So um, it was a lot to put together in, in a month. But it's essentially, you know, when I when I was on the East Coast, in, and I was still a stay-at-home mom, in 2007, 2008, of course, it was the Great Recession when the financial markets and, and you know, fell apart, um, particularly on the East Coast. It started with Goldman Sachs started a returnship program around that time where they would, people could apply, a lot of women, but it could be men or women, could apply to these returnship programs. It was, a, I believe it was a three-month program where they get them up to speed on the tools. And it was great because then they could hire you know, the, the best of those candidates and, and place them in different companies. And it was so successful that a lot of the other investment financial services companies, Morgan Stanley and a lot of other firms followed suit and built these returnship programs. When I moved out here in 2011, and I actually considered applying to one of those, but then we were relocating back out to California, which is where I'm from. And so I realized that there's nothing like that in technology. And again, you know, it's because of the the ageism and, you know, people aren't open to, or it certainly wasn't, it's becoming more so. In fact, I heard recently that, actually this was a couple of years ago, that the that Google may have hired somebody who's one of the initiators of the original Goldman Sachs returnship program. And I know there are, I know Oracle has one. I have a call with somebody who's who's working on that returnship program or reentry programs at Oracle. And so it is becoming much more um, supported yeah. and, you know, in the technology companies. But, um, yeah, you know, wonderful. Was, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, so are you ready to play two questions, one shallow and one deep? Uh, sure. Okay. Here's the first one, the shallow one. What's one thing that you can't stand, but everybody else seems to love. I'm not doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> this can be anything. This can be anything. Food, a TV show, it doesn't matter. 
The, what's something you, everybody else loves it and you're like, you just don't get it. Probably TV in general, for the most part. That's not a very good answer. Though. That's okay. Uh, no, um, no, no. I mean, you're just not a TV watcher <laughs> and you're right. I mean, people are constantly obsessing over, you know, uh, Game of Thrones or whatever it is. And you're, you're just, you're, yeah. you're checked out. It sounds like you, you, you have more things to do, more things to do with your time that are at least more interesting to you. Well, it's prob- that's probably really not a good answer because I did get into Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we'll go on to the deep one. What breaks your heart? What breaks my heart? What really breaks my heart is, and it's interesting because I've seen this in a number of different um, capacities, is, and, you know, I think this is really relatable to my experience. And this is why I dedicate so much of my time to trying to help people and provide resources for people returning to the workforce. When things go wrong in the world, and most people, nobody gets to 50 unscathed, have felt something go wrong. There's a sense of your community pulling away from you. And it can be very different depending on what challenges people face. I think, you know, I think if people become ill, you might get your community really surrounding you. But um, there are certain things, as you mentioned, prison or, you know, financial hardship or being unemployment, people pull away. And it, seeing that, having lived through that at a certain stage in my life and then seeing people go through that, it really breaks my heart. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's just really, tr- that's why I try to be supportive and, and kind as much as I can to people that I know are feeling, you know, hope. the ultimate answer to that is hopelessness. Yeah. What breaks my heart is hope, that feeling yeah. of hopelessness that people get. We have more of our share of that today. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for your time. I, I, I uh, this is my field, and I certainly learned some things, especially about, you know, it's, it's not necessarily to your advantage to play up the things you did when you weren't working, and I, I think that's sad. I hope, I hope that that changes over time, um, because we are, we, you know, we bring. We are one person, and we bring ourselves to everything that we do. And I think our story is a combination of all of that. Whether we are employed inside of a typical corporate setting, or we're you know working toward working outside of that toward another goal, um, we're still showing up as the same person. And I think when somebody hires you, they get all of that. You know, they they don't get just the stuff from you seventeen years ago. They get everything you did in those seventeen years. And the fact that we don't value that is um, well, I'll I'll just say today that breaks my heart. Well, yes. And another point on that, too, is that I think it's really important. And this is something so getting back to the TED talk, and and I know we're probably just about out of time here, but um, getting back to the TED talk, it's really not targeting people returning to the workforce. It's return. the, The conversation is really towards companies, let them back in. And the point is, is that, and part of the reason I think I was able to be very successful in sales is I'm selling into CEOs, the average age of a Fortune 500 CEO is 58. And who is more likely to get a meeting, myself or my 22-year-old son? Right. Right? So there's a certain amount of credibility. And I think even if you're this really cool AI company or this very cool tech company, your customers are not going to all fit into that box. And I've sold into 100-year-old insurance companies out of Chicago, but I've also sold into really cool tech companies as well. 
but it it's helpful for companies to have employees on all of their teams that reflect their customer base. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, I, I you know, I hope that's that's one thing that comes out because the job market will come back differently. It'll still be hot yes. at some point, but it will be differently hot. And I, I hope that companies are one of the, I hope one of the things they've learned in this is to um, expand their thinking, not only in terms of how they do business, but um, who they do business with and who they hire. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I really enjoyed it. And I hope all of our listeners will go listen to your TED Talk. Let them back in. Julie, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this as well. If you enjoyed meeting the Evolved Careerist on today's episode, well, we've got a lot more lined up for you. Subscribe, tell your friends, rate us and write a review. And of course, follow us on social media. But if you're interested in learning more about how you can evolve your career, you can contact us through theevolvedcareer.com or thebaukegroup.com. And that's B-A-U-K-E. Do you know somebody who'd be a great guest, who has a great career story to tell? Or do you think you qualify? Then email me. My email address is in the podcast description. Until next time, here's to your career happiness.